Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. Our topic today is hope for the cast sheep of his flock. And speaking this morning is Barb Connors. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. First, I'm going to pray. Oh, I knew I forgot something. You can pray for me if you yeah, want. Pray. <laughs> I was going to pray. I was going to pray anyway. <laughs> okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your anointing. We know that we can do nothing. But we also know that we can do all things through Christ that strengthen us. So I ask you to strengthen Barb. Give her the words to say and the anointing to speak. And for us to hear and understand in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you very much, Pastor Stan. Okay. Well, welcome, Spirit of Prophecy Church online viewers. So happy to be here. And um, this message has been on my heart for quite a while. And it comes to you by... um, the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. And a teaching that I uh, found of Judith Groover, who is Henry Groover's um, wife, or was so they're in heaven now with the Lord. So this is going to be a teaching about hope for the cast sheep of his flock. Um, <clears throat> what kicked this all off is Psalm 42. So let me read this to you. Uh, As the heart panteth after the water Brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Brothers and sisters, we're going to hit this. If you are a Christian, you are going to come to a place in your walk where things are dry, where you are crying out for God and you just don't feel his presence, where you are struggling to offer praise, where you are cast down. Your soul is cast down, and you are searching, searching for God. We all have trials. We all go through affliction. And this psalmist who wrote this is describing this. We're thirsty for the things of God, but all, all he can do is cry, cry tears. And he remembers being in church. He remembers those days of joyous praising. He remembers the feeling, that, that joy he had in the Lord, and he's He's wanting it back because he's in some kind of trial. So being cast down, we can all relate to that, and it's going to happen. So what does cast mean in the Bible? In this particular psalm, it is Strong's H7817, which means to bring or cast down, to be thrown down. Okay, This person is thrown down. That is not a good thing. If you've been in any of the uh, fighting arts, martial arts, uh, wrestling, be thrown down, not so good. Okay, so this is where sheep come into the story. And you're thinking, okay, what is the connection here? Well, we know sheep and shepherding, it's all throughout the Bible, right? And uh, Jesus is our good shepherd. And we are the sheep of his flock, right? Uh, And there's a reason for that. He leads, we follow. I hate to say it, but we're kind of (laughs) dumb. We're kind of dumb as the sheep of the flock. We need the leader. 
left on our own devices, it's a big mess. But Jesus is our righteous good shepherd, the only good shepherd. In fact, Jesus said in John 10.27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And Psalm 23 is all about being a sheep and having the shepherd lead you, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. So for that one that's cast down, he is the one that restores your soul. It's the good shepherd, right? You will fear no evil when you're in that valley of the shadow of death, for he is with you, right? And goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Glory to God. Just a couple famous verses about sheep. Now let's learn some fun facts about sheep, okay? They have excellent hearing, and they can actually tell the difference between different people's voices. So they know their shepherd's voice, and they will not follow a stranger's voice. People have tested this on YouTube. I've checked it out. It's kind of funny. They are also nearsighted. They can only see about 20 feet away, okay? They can't focus in really well. They have peripheral vision, but they can't really see more than 20 feet. Right, so Pastor Stan said they won't see a wolf uh, about to get them before it's too late. Like, you know, <laughs> they're already in the kill zone by the time they see it, right? They are ruminants. They chew their cud. They cannot digest their food by themselves. They have bacteria in their gut, and there are certain animals like cows and sheep that are ruminants, and that's what they do. They are also followers. If you know anything about cattle, cattle are driven. Sheep are led, Okay. When they lead themselves, that's when all the trouble happens. I don't know if you saw the article. I don't know when it was. Something like 450 sheep left, leapt off of a cliff in Turkey because they were following the one in front of them, and the one in front of them couldn't see it was a cliff. It was trotting along, and bloop, went down, and all the rest of them went, ooh, I'm going to go there. Bloop, all of them jumped off the cliff because they're like, oh, I'm going to follow the person in front of me. I'm going to do what they're doing. <laughs> well, that's a whole sermon in of itself, right? It's a whole sermon, but just know that, yeah. We cannot, as, as our own sheep, we can't lead ourselves. I mean, even in Israel, when they didn't follow God, when they tried to have their own kings, they got pretty messed up. Follow God, not people. They also have high centers of gravity, which will be our next lesson. So what is a cast sheep? This is Millie. She is my friendly sheep that my dog now really likes to chew on, um, unfortunately. A sheep that um, gets stuck upside down and can't right itself is called a cast sheep, and this is a known term. And knowing that shepherding was a big deal all throughout history, in our Bibles, all those people knew about what a cast sheep was. It's when a sheep turns upside down like this, and their little dweedle legs, their little... <laughs> tiny little legs, they cannot get themselves back up, right? Um, why? Why? And, it, you know, notice it says in their own strength. Like their buddies can't help them. Their sheep buddies can't help them. They're stuck. So if the shepherd doesn't come along, okay, Pastor Stan, hold that thought. <laughs> Stop 
jumping ahead. You're such a good student. <laughs> so a sheep's body has a really high center of gravity, right? And they're, they're kind of flat on their backs, okay? And the better you are as um, a member of the sheep herd, you've got a lot more to offer. You could be pregnant. You could have a lot of fleece. You could be nice and plump. Well, that makes it worse for you. You're easier to get in this situation. So the more you have to offer, it's kind of weird, but the more you have to offer as a sheep in the herd, you're more likely to really stay on your back once you get flipped over. We'll put Millie over here. Sorry, Millie, just for a second. Okay, and you see how flat that back is on this sheep? That's, that's amazingly flat, not like a horse or a cow, right? They're broad. And here's some pictures of cast sheep. Look at that. Looks crazy. It looks like, well, just flip yourself over. No, I can't. No. <laughs> well, I don't know what that is. Okay. Okay. Being a cast sheep uh, is deadly. Did you know? It's deadly to the sheep. Why? Oh, my. I didn't know that was all like that. Cool. Well, it's because they're ruminants, Okay. And when they ruminate and everything's laying the right way when they're right side up in their guts, everything's moving along just fine. But when they flip upside down, all things stop except the digestion. And what happens is gases start building up, building up. And it's like blowing them up with a balloon to the point where it starts pressing on their diaphragm, just like um, a pregnant woman in their last month. Where they're like, <gasps> they could barely get breath. They could barely eat. Everything's squished. Well, it just gets to the point where it cuts their breath off completely and it stops their heart. So they can die in a matter of hours. So we always thought, okay, we know the shepherd protects from the wolves, leads them to grass and water, um, all that good stuff. But a shepherd's other role is to look for guys that are upside down like this, okay, and, and to flip them back up. So it's a really serious condition, and um, Henry Groover actually walked past when he was on one of his prayer walks. He was in Great Britain somewhere, and he saw, <laughs> walking through a pasture, he saw a sheep upside down with two little lambs next to him. He goes, oh, that's cute. She's laying down, and he starts walking away, and he's like, well, wait a second. Those, those little lambs look hungry, and they're bleeding, and that, that mother isn't moving very well, and she's not responding he thought, this isn't right. So, you know, Holy Spirit grabbed him, turned him around. He's like, okay, little girl, let me help you out. And so he helped her get back on her feet. Well, little did he know that his wife was doing a lesson about being cast down. And she heard about the cast sheep that he had found in the field. And it tied perfectly into her lesson. So this is kind of the, the background story. A little interesting thing how God works and the Holy Spirit works, right? Okay, so here's a video. This is a live video. This is really cool. Watch this. Well, greetings. Here we are out in the field, and uh, we got a sheep who's gone over on her back. Now, she's not able to get up. She's got herself into a, a situation where she's rode over on her back, and because her back's quite flat, it's not allowing her to be able to get roll over. Now, if you see a sheep like this, help the sheep. Pull the sheep up because the sheep will eventually die. The gases will build up and, uh, and they will eventually have a heart attack. So you have to approach the sheep carefully. 
It's not going to hurt you. And if you grab hold of it, hoof, with its legs, give it a pull, pull it, pull it over, like I've done. Oh. Now, now it's back over. You can see how flat its back is, and that's the problem with sheep, you know, especially ones that are like this, a, a little bit, probably a little bit too much weight on. Now, it's going to get back up. It's going to be a bit wobbly. It's been down for a little while, so... Oh! It's going to work its way back up. It's going to just settle itself. And there we have it. And there you have it. Have you been there? Are you there now? Right? Are you in a trial that in your own strength you're stuck? Well, it's nothing new. It's what happens to us Christians. It really is. So now I want to talk about the dangers of sheep vision and rumination. And this is where I probably need to do this here. I've got to go hands-free. <clears throat> when we use our sheep vision, which is short-sighted, we kind of only see... <laughs> what's inside the box. And unfortunately, Satan loves to write inside this box all about our natural circumstances, all kinds of thoughts and things that just drag us down and take us away from God, okay? So sheep vision, not so good when you focus on your circumstance, all right? Nobody wants to be inside this box, and Satan loves to write inside of it. The stuff he writes is not nice. Such as, eh, it's hopeless. I can't continue on. I don't have the strength. Um, I'll just try harder in my own strength. That's what I'll do. And he fools you into thinking, you can do it. You can do it. Just keep, you're not trying hard enough. Well, guess what? It's a spiritual battle in your own natural strength. You're going to do nothing. I don't deserve this. I'm righteous. Why did this thing happen to me? I didn't do anything wrong. I've been following God. Well, I do deserve this. That's the other thing that comes in. I'm being punished. I know I've sinned. I know God's punishing me. Hey, what is God's purpose in this suffering? There can't be a reason. God didn't tell me. Why won't he tell me? What is the purpose? Where is God? I'm all alone. You know, you might be lying on your back. You might be trying to beat cancer. You might have a, a loneliness that just won't go away, a depression. You might have people that are, are abusing you. You might have an addiction. You might have lost your job. You might be poor. You might be homeless. You, your relationships might have all dissolved around you. You might be being persecuted, right? You might have a condition that limits your physical abilities where you can't do for yourself. And you're wondering, where is God? I'm all alone. Why isn't this changing? And lastly, the worst one is this situation will never end. It's gone on so long, it'll never end. 
And that's what happens. And we start ruminating on these thoughts and we start chewing them and swallowing them and chewing them and swallowing them. And they become our whole focus. And pretty soon, I'm having a hard time breathing. The breath of God is getting snuffed out in me. Right? The enemy wants to take that breath away. The breath of God is in you. God's word is his breath in you. Right? This is the living word. It's breath. It's God breathed. Jesus is the living word. Right? He wants to take your breath away. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when we ruminate, using our limited sheep vision, we ruminate about our circumstances and the natural, what's going on around us, and it consumes us. We are just stepping right into his trap. Yes, indeed. He wants to control what we focus on and take us away from God. That's what we focus on, Jesus, right? And every time we take that focus away in our trial, we're taking a little compromise, right? So these are vain, vain imaginations, right? You've heard that term. I call them sheep ruminations, but they're vain imaginations. And they can be our ruination, when we keep our sight on ourself and on the physical circumstances, not the spiritual, but the physical, instead of God's will and God's word, that will cut off the breath that you have in you to do God's work. Right? The breath of God, his word, praise, worship, praying. And if we focus long enough on it, it consumes us to the point where it becomes truly a false idol in our life, where our whole focus is on this trial and nothing else exists except the trial. <clears throat> what does the word say about vain imaginations? Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We are to cast down imaginations. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Yeah, the sheep vision can be dangerous, right? We've got to take captive the thoughts that the devil put in there to throw us off. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that is not an easy thing to do. That is a constant thing. Because the devil will hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you, right? But this is the word of God. It's the living word of God. And when you fight a spiritual battle, you have to use a weapon against that spiritual battle. That's a spiritual weapon. And I love it when Jesus, in the, in the, um, in the wilderness for 40 days, he's the living breath of God. He's the living God. He used the word of God. He used it against the devil. So the word of God is speaking the word of God, and it's a boom, boom, right into the devil's face. Double punch. Jesus lives in us, right? And when we speak that word out, Exponential double punch. Hallelujah. Our God is a jealous God, and we need to remember that. When we make that idol, that, that suffering, our full focus, uh, God gets jealous of that. We're like, hello, I'm here. Yoo-hoo. <laughs> I can help you with this. In Exodus, it says, For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. How easy is it for us to get self-consumed with that? Oh, my pain. You know, people have legitimate physical pain and suffering. We all do. 
The point is, it can consume us in a bad way. Hey, what's a sheep to do? Well, focus on the word of God (laughs) instead of the circumstance. Read this right here. This is what you should be using with your sheep vision. If you're short-sighted, near-sighted, you can still hold this up pretty close (laughs) and see it, right? Read the word of God. It's the breath. This is the breath. This is inspired, right? Instead of cutting your breath off, this is going to give you breath. It's going to breathe into you. And use your excellent hearing to hear the voice of the shepherd, right? When you're reading these words, you're going to hear his voice. There are going to be, there are going to be things that jump out at you that he's saying to you. You're like, oh, wow. Now, we, might, we don't hear Jesus' voice literally, hey, Barb. <laughs> I mean, some people do, but it's very rare. But he speaks to us through his word. We can hear his voice through his word. We can hear it, and that's great if we hear it, but if we do nothing, that's like your kids when you tell them, hey, go clean up your room. Did you hear me? Did you obey me? We got to obey. We got to obey. And use the breath that you still have in you. Uh, And this is a hard one, guys, to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. I just want to move on to the next slide because I've been here. I have been in a trial for a long time, and it's still ongoing. And I have been to the point, and probably most of you have, where (sighs) it truly is a sacrifice of praise to even pull up yourself to say, God, thank you for my eyesight today. You know, you're thinking, and then... And then you go on, God, you are great and mighty. How great thou art, God. Oh, Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder consider all the world's the hands have made. And you might start off real weak, and it might seem really pitiful at first. But as you keep praising him, and we are commanded to praise him, by the way. It's a command in many of the verses in the Bible to to praise him. For instance, Psalms 106, praise ye the Lord. It's not saying, I would highly suggest. It's saying praise him. He inhabits our praises. So when we start to praise him, and, and you know, there are times when we're truly joyous and woohoo, praise God, right? And there are other times you're like, oh God, I thank you in the midst of this trial. You could have just lost somebody in your life that you love. God, I praise you because you gave this person to me in my life. They're with you now, and I miss them, but that person was a gift to me from you, and I thank you for that. How can you turn your trial into a sacrifice of praise? Because he wants that, you know? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean to your own under- not to your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways acknowledge him, right? Even when you're suffering, even when you're in pain, even when at great loss, even in, in persecution, even when there doesn't seem to be an end. He inhabits our praise, and he will strengthen us, and the Holy Spirit will come in, and he says to encourage ourselves, right, with the word of the Lord. So praising is very important. And the the verse that says that, thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. In Hebrews, 
By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. And it's not a sacrifice unless it's hard. (laughs) You know, there's something behind that. Do it continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. He is good. (laughs) For his mercy endureth forever, right? So let's take a look at how to deal with some of these lies about your trial. We all have trials. The hopeless, try harder, I'm righteous, I don't deserve this, all of these good things, right? The first one that comes to people, especially when they've had a long trial, a chronic illness, a condition that, that won't change or people that won't change, is you just, you run out of strength and you just feel like it's hopeless. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I just can't do it. Well, when you're using your sheep vision to actually look at the Word of God, the Word of God says, I can do all things, all things, <laughs> through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, you either believe the Word of you or you don't. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you either believe that Word or you don't. If you believe in Jesus, you believe the Word. There's no two ways about it. Corinthians, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So when you're weak, let him minister to you to give you strength. And Jesus said, (laughs) with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know, I think when we get to heaven, the word impossible will be wiped out. I think it won't even exist because God is God. (laughs) There's nothing impossible. I mean, when you really think about it, yeah, nothing impossible for God. So it's not hopeless. Isaiah, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I know we have these, you know, oh, that's just, you know, throw these verses out, whatever. No, no. This is talking to people who are going through trials and affliction and enduring. Wait upon the Lord. His timing is not our time, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And I know there are people, maybe there's someone listening right now that is laying on their, their deathbed, right? You've been told you have a terminal illness. Or maybe someone's left you in a marriage. Or maybe you've lost a loved one, right? Oh, wait on the Lord. You're going to get your strength back. He'll be there. He is with you. It's not hopeless. And you will continue. He can, he can give you that strength. The other lie of the devil, and this is the one I really, really hate. (laughs) I'll just try harder in my own strength. Now, how many of you have just fought and fought and fought in your own strength? Hey, whether it's um, trying to save somebody, bring them to the Lord. I'm just going to keep on until they accept the Lord. You know, sometimes it's the Lord's work. (laughs) And sometimes the battle is truly... 100% 100% spiritual. And when we're, when we're dealing with um, these physical circumstances, we got to remember um, 
The spirit realm is more real than what we're going through right now. What we see with our senses is a, a tiny portion. And it's very deceiving and very deceptive, right? And to try harder in your own strength is using the wrong weapon. It's the wrong currency. If I go to Russia, I'm going to have to use their currency, right? If I want to fight a spiritual battle, doing push-ups is not going to help me. <laughs> or, you know, getting out a tank is not going to help me. I have to fight it in the spiritual, right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, Satan wants to keep us here, because when we're here, likely we're going to stop doing things for the kingdom of God. We're going to become so consumed that nothing happens. We're not going to witness. We're not going to praise. We're not going to do a testimony. We're going to stop reading the word of God, right? He's going to make us ineffective. And his, his you know, eventual goal is to kill us, <laughs> take our breath away, right? Yeah, the eventual goal is this will never end. You might as well die. Think of Job. Job wanted to die. Why was I ever born? Why didn't I just die? Really? The weapons are our, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's not carnal. We've got to remind ourselves of that. We can get very mad at people and angry at people that are, that are persecuting us and hurting us and putting us in situations that we don't like, and we want to we blame them and, and, and you know, give retribution, and we can't. This is a spiritual battle. It's not the person. It's the evil behind it. It's the spiritual behind it. And we've got to remind ourselves of that. Get in the word. Ah, but we can use the word of God. That's the right currency. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. There's your spiritual right there. Cutting that apart. Now I can see and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why it's so important to stay in the word, because God will reveal to you where you're going off in your little sheep thinking here, in your sheep vision. It's a virtual reality. It's not so good. I don't deserve this. I am righteous. Now, didn't Job go through this a little bit? Hmm? Yeah, I'm doing everything right. I go to church. I tithe. I've done spiritual house cleaning. I read the word. I, you know, I try to do kind things for people. I don't deserve this. Well, somewhere along the line, you've learned something that isn't true. Someone's taught you something that isn't true because guess what? Uh, when people say, why do bad, that, bad things happen to, to good people? There ain't no good people. There aren't. Why? You know, and this is a, this is a, a, a thing that many people who, who want to ridicule Christians or don't believe in Christianity say, well, if God were a God of love, then why does he let evil happen? Hmm? Fact is, he does. Grow up. Put on your big girl pants. Evil's in the world, and God lets it. And guess what? You're not God, and he did not call me up today and say, Barb, do you think it's okay if I let this evil happen? What's your opinion on that? No. I am here. He is there. I am this. He is everything. Get yourself in right position with God. 
because it's easy to get into self-righteousness mode, right? Especially when it's something someone's done to you over and over again, persecution, unfairness, whatever it is. It's easy to become self-righteous and judge and blame and take you down a very, very subtle bad path, right? As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one except for Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we are all as an unclean thing and our righteousness, our unrighteousnesses, that's hard to say, are as filthy rags. We've heard that one, right? We do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Yeah, you point the finger, woo, it's coming back. They are all gone aside and they are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And even Jesus said to the rich, uh, rich young man, remember, he said, yeah, he said, why, why do you call me good? There's none good but God, which I think was so funny because Jesus was like, I am God, but I am God, I, you know, I am good, but I'm just testing you here. <laughs> Somebody in the crowd of his disciples got that one, I'm sure. But yeah, he said, no, there are none good but God. So we need to remember that. You deserve the punishment he took. You, you deserve eternal damnation. That's what we deserve. He took it. Jesus did. Right? He's the only righteous one. So to put ourselves up is to pull him down, and that is a very dangerous thing. I do deserve this. Wait a second. There are some people that get that lie. Oh, I deserve this for that sin and this and that and my decision and blah, blah, blah. God's punishing me. Well, this happened in Job too. God did not like where Job was going with some of his uh, thinking, especially his three friends. His three friends slandered the character of God. Big bad thing to do. No, you don't deserve it. If you're a Christian, God is not going, zip, zip. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Today I'm going to punish Justin, and tomorrow I'm going to punish Carolyn. I can't wait. I've got some really good plans. I get such jollies out of that. No, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. The word of God says the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. The fact that we're alive on this earth you think of all the people that are alive that he's given chance after chance after chance and how many chances it took for you to come to Christ. He's a good God and he's not punishing you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't believe that, then you got some work to do because that is the nature of being a Christian. That is our whole promise from Jesus Christ, believing on him, what he did. The work is finished finished right it's finished he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities thank the lord thank you god right he is like a father that pities his children he loves us so the lord pitieth them that fear him he knoweth our frame he remembereth that we are dust so this is a lie we can treat right here. And I call these prescriptions, okay? 
What is God's purpose for this suffering? The blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. God's purpose for this suffering. How many times have we asked that? How can a loving God let this happen? What's the purpose? You know, sometimes there is a purpose, and we can figure that out, but we are on a need-to-know basis, and most of the time, we don't need to know. God is sovereign, and we can't even begin to understand his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. Our purpose is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's our purpose on this earth. We are, we are the servant. He is the master. He is the creator. We are the created. So when we're challenging God on the purpose for our suffering in this trial, we're, we're, we're not in right relationship with God. We're not seeing him as our creator, our Lord and Savior. We are not submitted to him. Ecclesiastes, which is my second least favorite book to read in the Bible because I, it's vanity, 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 vanity. I get it very quickly. It's vanity. I always skip to the last chapter and <laughs> let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Okay? So the purpose for your suffering, you may not ever know it. You might not ever know it. God knows. I, I would think you would know it once you join him in heaven. Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So we know that there's good that's going to come out of what happens to us somewhere. We might not ever see it in our lifetime. We might. Um, Jesus said, these things I've spoken unto you that you might have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he's telling you right away, look, you're going to have suffering. You're going to have tribulation. So just accept that. It's okay. Peter says through the Holy Spirit, but the God of all grace who hath called us Unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while. After you've suffered. After you suffered. He'll make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. So some of this is to polish you up. Sometimes that is. There is a clear purpose. When you come through it on the other end. You see. Right? Don't think it's strange. <laughs> beloved. The fiery trial which is to try you. Don't think it's strange. It's part of the thing. Part of the job description. Uh, lastly, where is God? I'm all alone. Or oh, that's the second last. Um, Matthew 28. Jesus giving his last charge to his disciples says, Look, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Isaiah 42, or 43. This is my favorite. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Notice he's not saying you won't go through it. He's not saying, oh, I'll just take you over here and divert that path. He's not saying that. He said you're going to go through it. But I'll be there. I'll be right with you. And I'll get you through it. Not around it, but through it, right? 
Fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not, for I am with thee. You're not alone. And right now, we're talking about Jesus Christ. So he's here right now. For when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Hallelujah. And we have a high priest (laughs) that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He knows exactly. He knows. He's with you. He's with you when you sin. He's with you when you're in pain. He's with you when you say the wrong thing. He's with you when you repent. He knows every single thing. He knows even the hairs on your head. He will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. And the situation will end. (laughs) It might end the way it ended maybe with uh, Stephen at the end of his life. That's when his situation ended. You know, we don't know. Our trial will end whether it's in this body and we continue on in this body or whether we take our last breath in this body. Our situation will end. He will deliver us. That's his promise. And Jeremiah 29, 11 really, really sunk in with me. And I finally got it. You know, Jeremiah was talking about people in captivity for 70, 70 years. And I have a trial, you know, that's a decade or so. And I'm like, this is never going to end. Well, guess what? God wrote here, I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. That means there is an end. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows. Okay, and this is when it's going to end. I don't know, but he said it would. He said it would. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of a couple. We know that's not right. He delivers us out of them all. Not them all. Not when you're shopping, but them all, right? And if we can think of things in a grander scheme, we are but vapor. And this is kind of just the phase, guys. This condition right here, it's a phase. We're, you know, if we really look at it from God's point of view, we have this teeny little flash of a life. And our light affliction, this is Paul who was so... So tortured, tormented, suffered greatly, persecuted. Our light affliction, (laughs) scourging, stoning, shipwrecks, you name it, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, get out of the sheep vision problem, and look, um, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are Temporal, they're going to they're gonna pass away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So are eternal, we got to know. Every trial, every pain, every suffering, it will be relieved. And hang on to that. Hang on to that. That's our blessed hope. Our hope is to be joined with Jesus Christ, right? I don't have enough time to go into this, so I'm just going to skip to the end here. I want to talk about real quickly when Job was delivered and healed. um, This is an interesting thing. Job wanted death. He wished for death because his suffering was so great. 
And God allowed it to happen, and God even pointed him out to Satan, which is the scariest thing in the entire Bible to me, okay? Because you know it can happen to you. Job was a great intercessor. He helped many, many people. God gave him a gift of intercession. He loved to help people. He helped the poor. He helped the homeless. He helped the naked. He helped the hungry. He helped the widow, the orphan. He stood for justice. He helped people that were being treated unfairly. He was well-recognized for that, and that's how he functioned in his community. God used him. That's how God used him, okay? Now, when Job was suffering, he pretty much shut down. You didn't hear anything about Job. Oh, I'm going to pray for this person, or I'm going to go help. No, he, it was all about Job, all about Job and his sheep situation. And, and obviously, he had reasons to be self-absorbed. But interesting, when was Job delivered and healed? Does anyone know? What did he do? When Job prayed for his three friends, then the Lord turned his captivity. When Job heard about his three friends and God's wrath was kindled against them, the three friends that were bad-mouthing Job and calling God a zapper, Job got scared because they were in the presence of God when this whole thing was going on. He was like, oh, these guys are going to be killed. God said, I am wrath with you. You've kindled my wrath. Go do sacrifices. And Job snapped back into kingdom of God work, and he prayed for his three friends. And that is when God turned his captivity. And it's in James, and I don't have the reference, but God took me to this verse and in James in the matter of a, one day after the next, to show me. James said, remember the patience of Job. And then he said, <clears throat> confess your faults to one another. This is later on in the chapter, talking about Job. And pray for one another that ye might be healed. Pray for one another. not your, He's saying pray for people. Get on with the kingdom work that you may be healed, right? So don't. Don't languish. Use the breath you have, okay? And that, to me, was fascinating. And then, you know, he got rewarded. And don't know, I don't know whether he had the kids with his first wife or had a new one because that first wife wasn't so good. And the devil left her alone, so I think she wasn't so good. Who knows? I think that was kind of funny. So here's what we do as sheep. Focus on the word of God instead of the circumstance. Use your hearing. Follow the shepherd. Use the breath that you have to praise God. Confess your faults. Pray for one another. Speak the living word out loud. Use the right tool for the right fight. Don't be like this guy. <laughs> and praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. I hope this, I hope this ministered to somebody today. And um, I just thank God for the message and all of you. And we'll be back shortly. God bless y'all. Thanks. All right, let's stand up. It's time for praise and worship. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Is there joy in this house? Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. So let's lift up the praise and mightiest King of kings and Lord of lords. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Father God, you are worthy and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Come on, let's put our hands together. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? 
whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with mighty thunder who leaves us breathless in all in wonder the king of glory the king above all kings hallelujah this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you lay down your life yes you did Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Hallelujah. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphans a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance The King of glory, the King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place that you would bear my cross that you lay down your life that i would be set free oh, oh, oh jesus i sing for all that you've done for me hallelujah jesus thee is the lamb that was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy. Worthy, worthy. Hallelujah. This is a failing love that you would take my place. Yes, he did. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that I've done for me come on give them some praises hallelujah you are worthy you are victorious hallelujah 
to your hands. Come on. Come on, we're going to sing some praise. Let me see those hands up high. Come on. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory, hallelujah, is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God. And every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, come on, yes it is. Every praise. Get out of your comfort zones this morning. This is not about the song or the words. This is praising Almighty God. Hallelujah to our God. You are worthy, Father God. Hallelujah. With you our God. Singing every praise. Every praise. Yes, every praise. Every praise. It's to our God. Hallelujah. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Singing every praise. Every praise. Yes. Every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah with to our God. Singing every praise. Every praise. Yes, every praise. It's to our God. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah. Is to our God. Sing every praise. Every praise. Yes, every praise. Every praise. Is to our God. Hallelujah, Lord. God our Savior. God our healer. God my redeemer. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Every praise, every praise, every praise. 
every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise. Yes, He is. Every praise, every praise. Come on, lift your hands. Every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise is to our
haven't left us or forsaken us. You are alive and here today. We give you the glory, Father God. You are worthy. Father God, we love you so much. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. As we live your 
seals thereof, because you were slain as redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We thank you for it. Wisdom and might are yours. You changeth the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, I thank you that you have brought to this congregation all of the wonderful words and information so we have understanding of these last days, of these things that are soon to come upon the earth. And Lord, I ask that you would speak through me to your people the things that you once said, and help us all to hear it, help us to all be prepared so that we can all serve get past ourselves, get past our flesh, and to reach out and help others that are soon to be hurting in this world. Lord, this congregation has been in preparation for these days for a long time. And now it's about time we go to work. Help us to do that. We want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the glory of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I dropped to my knees yesterday, Lord, what do you want to say? And I heard real distinct. Tell them that I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to be there to protect and provide. I believe we're about to see the hand of the Lord. Now, to what degree? I don't know, but I believe it's going to be more than what we've seen in the past. And I don't have a PowerPoint today. And the reason is, is if I got into a PowerPoint, then I tend to do A, B, C, one, two, three. And what I wanted to bring to you today, what I'm late, what's laid on my heart to do, is to just explain to you things that are about to happen. I don't think this congregation has to be convinced that we're in the last days. No. <laughs> we don't have to be convinced that trouble's right around the corner. But what we probably need to know is just how soon it might be. So we're about 60 some odd days from one of the most important elections in our history. Perhaps even more important than the last one, which the devil won. There are some people that are saying that the election may not even happen. Try to imagine yourself from the devil's point of view, which I believe is mostly Democrats, but not there's devils in the Republicans too. I'm not saying Republicans are all Christian. But if I had to choose, I'd choose the Republicans. Matter of fact, when I go and vote, I'll tell you, I just vote straight Republican. And when I have to choose, and there's like four or five names and they're all Republican, I got to choose one of them, I look at and I ask myself, which one of those is the most Christian? Which one of those is going to do the best job for you, Lord. 
sometimes I go by, if I can't get anything on the name, I'll go by whether the name is, like if it's a George, that's not a biblical name. But if it's Mark, Mark gets my vote. <laughs> so I vote as Christian as I possibly can. 60 days from an election, and it may be that the Democrats already know they're going to lose. And so they may be saying it would be better for us not to have an election than to have an election let the Republicans in. Does that make sense? Now, I've got so much information. I'll just tell you, yesterday afternoon, I was preparing some of my research for the program for the next week, and this fear came on me. Yeah, last time I felt that was uh, back in the Y2K days, long time. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with fear coming on to you. What you do about it is the, the decision, okay? And of course, we put it down, but I began to see something that's just around the corner. So I'm going to talk about some random things here today. By the way, I got up from the seat here about 45 minutes ago and there was a pinch came to my back. So uh, if I buckle up here, somebody lay hands on me, pray for me because I'm going to keep, keep talking. I got a DVD, or excuse me, I got a video sent to me and it's about 45 minutes long and somebody apparently had taken a life's work to put this thing together. Very well done. And they had gone through comedies, through movies, through TV programs, through books, through all, all the things that we see in our life. And they started showing us where 923 was all the way through. Anybody seen that? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's amazing. It's like, I, I, I didn't see that. I mean, like in a movie, somebody's walking into a hotel room. It's 923 is the room. Sometimes they do it backwards too, 239. All the way through, it was shocking. Now, the very last one was one that was drawn out, and it was more like, this is the real point. And it said, death, said September the 23rd, yes. September the 23rd of 2040. 40, 44, and remember here. But it said death, September 23rd, 2044. And I thought, you see, they have a time machine, okay? They know things that are coming. They just can't change them like God can. And probably the one of the things that they were already ready to discern, it may be that that's the date Jesus returns. I'm not saying it is, but it may be. So I looked it up and I thought, well, if that's the day Jesus returns, it would have to be on a feast day. Specifically, it'd have to be on the Feast of Trumpets. So I looked it up. Would you like to guess whether that was a Feast of Trumpets? Yes. Now, Hal Turner put out in his weekly newspaper, newsletter, that... All of the Vatican, or the, no, excuse me, the top leaders in NATO resigned. Keep that in mind. 
Also, the Vatican has called in all of its finances from around the world back to the Vatican Bank, and it's supposed to be there no later than September 30th. Keep that in mind. September 23rd. So today is September the 11th. Could it be that what's about to happen on September 23rd, 24th, and that kind of a ballpark is the great financial fall that many people have warned us about. If you listen to Prophecy Club, you get this sort of stuff. How many of you listen to Prophecy Club? Okay, those are the people going to heaven. No. <laughs> he says that there's also a cataclysm, a Fukushima-type event planned, and he gets information from around the world, a lot of them are inside intelligence sources. In my opinion, he is a questionable whether he's even a Christian. And he lives in Japan. You may be saying, well, why would you listen to a person that's not a Christian that lives in Japan? Because he's not necessarily a Christian, and he's not necessarily living in America. In other words, he's not, he's another, not some prophecy student or some prophet prophesying, oh, there's going to happen. Okay, so he's hearing it from an entirely different source. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So when we have a guy in Japan that says the top leaders of NATO were all fired. When we say the, the Vatican, we, do you know what the Vatican is? This is, and the woman was that great, the woman was, is that great city who reigneth over the kings of the earth, Revelation 17. That's the Catholic Church. Who is it that gives the kings their crown? Who is it that actually sets the crown on the head of the kings of the ten kings of Europe? Who does that? Who gives the crowns away? The Pope. Who is the wealthiest person on the planet? Surprisingly, it's not Elon Musk. It's the Pope. They own and control everything. And it's sad to say, they're not on the good side. So they've called back all of the finances back to the Vatican. That tells me something financial is up. Then, he, later in, in, in another article from Hal Turner, he said, you know, I've been doing this a long time. He said, but I have never seen this, this many puts. Now, what's a put and a call? Anybody know what a put and a call is? I see one hand go up. Us Christians, we, we, you got to have money to understand about that stuff. Since we don't have any money, we don't understand about that stuff. Okay, so let's say you bought uh, $100,000 worth of stock. And let's say you bought it at, say, $10. We'll keep it simple. If you think that stock is going to go up, you could buy a call. Let's say it's, it's selling at 10 I want to buy a call at 11 So if it rises to 11 you can buy it at 11 but if it falls to 10, then if I'm getting this right here, I'm explaining this right, you buy a call if you think the price is going to rise. You buy a put if you think the price is going to go down. Like, for example, there was a lot of airline stocks that people bought a whole lot of puts on just before 9-11. Why? Because they knew there was about to be a downturn 
in the airline market. There was 8.1 billion, with a B, puts sold Friday. Now, if you have $8.1 billion, I don't care who you are, you know some things, right? What do they know? Well, Shane Warren says that he saw that the dollar is going to be blowing worthless as leaves in the wind. Then you look at uh, Daniel Davis. He said he saw that he pulled up to a, in, in a dream, I pull, he says, I pulled up to a gas station. We don't take dollars. What do you take? He said, what do you have? So he had to trade for like a saw or just whatever he could pull out of his car to buy gasoline because they weren't taking dollars anymore. He also said he saw a man step to the podium right here in Dallas. And he said, he said, ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. He says, the, the United States as you've known it has ceased to exist. All, proper, all property lines are dissolved and the U.S. dollar is worthless. And I can give you more prophecies like that. Okay, so what, what is going to happen here? Vicki Parnell just had another dream like three days ago. I just, just got it yesterday. I spent a couple of hours reading through it and getting it ready to, to put on a program. But in there, she said she saw a celebration. It was a coronation. They were coronating the Antichrist. She was taken into the future. She was shown who he is. I'd like to know. i got to talk to her. I want to know his name. I want to know where he's from. I was just praying that last night in my prayer closet. But she said then she heard some people saying, Oh, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he so handsome? He has so many uh, solutions for everybody. And he's so dynamic and charismatic. And then she saw them come forward and they, they gave him a golden scepter. They put a crown on his head. And then one of the other people in the crowd said, he did such a good job of bringing in the new digital global currency. Three or four years ago, finalwakeupcall.com put out an article and he knew what he was talking about. He's talking about that they are coming up with a new financial system. Now, we know this has to happen. Revelation 13 says, And he's causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, and free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or in their forehead. And that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for his number of a man, his number is six hundred, three score, and six. Well, you cannot stop people from buying if they're coins and paper, currency. That's, that can be anonymous. But when everybody is on a digital system so that the global government is in between the one neighbor selling the used lawnmower to his next door neighbor and he can get in between that transaction and stop that, well, like Henry Kissinger said, he said, he who controls the food can control the people. He who controls energy can control whole continents. But he who controls money can control the world. We know from the quantum, uh, from the wake, finalwakeupcall.info, 
that they're setting up a global financial system and it'll be digital. And I believe that it will be, and I've got a, a little, I've got two confirmations on this. I believe it'll be based upon a cell phone, not this cell phone. As a matter of fact, the inside information says that they've already, it's already made seven billion cell phones. By the way, you might not have to buy this one. This one might be just handed to you. We don't know. But this is how I think it's going to work. I think they'll say you can't put one of those covers on the cell phone because it has to be taking your fingerprints. As you touch this cell phone, it's always reading your fingerprints. You can't turn the camera and you can't turn the microphone off. It's always reading your voice print. It's always reading your face print. Always. You could hand your cell phone to someone else and it wouldn't work. You pick it up. There's no more of this putting in a number. When you touch that cell phone, when you get around it, it hears your voice, it sees your face, get your fingerprint, it's got you. Then that cell phone ties up with the 42,000 Starlink satellites. That they're, and these are low Earth orbit satellites. So you'll have global internet. Now, do you think that they're spending billions of dollars putting up low Earth orbiting satellites so that you can have internet coverage any place on the globe. I mean, they've got you. You really want to have internet coverage, right? I believe it'll also be hooked into every Wi-Fi. In other words, you can walk into a building; it automatically finds some kind of a Wi-Fi immediately, and it hooks up, so that any place on the globe you can have a purchase, and it goes from the cell phone up to the Starlink to satellite, to satellite, to satellite, satellite, and then back over here to a quantum computer. Now, what's a quantum computer? Well, they were given to us by extraterrestrial benevolent galactics. Some people call them aliens, but we know that they are the fallen ones. They are the ones that his tail drew a third part of the stars and didn't cast them to the earth. Many of them are reptilians. How do we know that? Because what was it that deceived Eve? Eve? It was a snake, right? Right, okay. So here's what they did. They broke our financial system over the last 300 years. They took it over. They broke it. And now they're going to fix it. And they're going to say, okay, here's how we can fix it. I'm going to give you a quantum computer. Now, what's a quantum computer? It's alien technology. Far, far, far above. Try to imagine an alien that's 6,000 years old, or maybe more, that does not forget things, that does not die, and they learn and they learn and they learn. They don't have to sleep any eight hours. And there's all of them working together, and they're trying to become God. They want to take over, and they're looking and planning for the last seven years when their man can be on the earth, the last three and a half years when he's in control. So this satellite system hooked to a quantum computer. Go to your hose, turn your hose on, your garden hose, full blast, and as far as that water shoots out there, that represents the fastest computer that humans can make. Compare that to Niagara Falls. That's how much faster a quantum computer is. They can, they can with this quantum computer, they can calculate and solve just about anything but guess what's the big one thing they want to solve? Through this, they can estimate the future. And there's one of the people that has written an article, 
based upon the quantum computer, based upon not quantum computer. In other words, this is a computer that tracks every transaction on the globe, not just electronic, but you hand someone a dollar bill, they say it's actually tracking the dollar bill. I don't know how they do that, but that's what they say. In other words, it's tracking everything on Earth. And they say, based upon this quantum computer, there's about, about to be a financial collapse in the world, not just America, but in the world. Now, is that an accident or is that an on-purpose? I think that's an on-purpose. Why is the on-purpose? Because we don't have the election. We're afraid if the election actually takes place, then DJT's plan could be put into place. What's his plan? He wants to kick out the bad guys and put in enough of the good guys to where now the, they could actually impeach JB, impeach KH, you know what I'm talking about, and put him in as the doofle or the rightful president. That could happen as a result of this election. The Democrats know it. Again, they have a time machine. They have the looking glass. They can see into the future. They know those things that are coming. And they do bribery, blackmail, murder. There is nothing that they won't do to have power and to get their man on the throne. So he sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So you have a cell phone that cannot be copied, uses three biometrics all the time, linked to the satellites, so that, it, and I believe in the, in the early days it will be good, just like Hollywood started off with good movies. Remember Leave it to Beaver and stuff like that? That's the stuff I grew up on. But boy, the stuff they put out now is straight from the pit. Goes over a quantum computer, that quantum computer is monitoring everything on the globe. And there'll come a time when, if you don't take that mark of the beast, you don't get an account. You want to sell your used lawnmower to your next door neighbor? You can't do it unless you have a cell phone and you have a mark of the beast that links in. So now let's go back to September 23rd. I have four different people, one from a computer calculation, says there's about to be a financial crash. Another one from the feasts point of view. He says he's done research on the, the, the collapses in the stock market. And every one of them always takes place in September and October, specifically takes place on feast days. Well, September 24 is Feast of Trumpets. What's Feast of Trumpets? Feast of Trumpets is not a Jewish-directed feast. It is still Jewish, but it's not Jewish-directed. Like, I would, well, I, I don't have my, you know, okay. Over here, you see in the yellow where it says first fruits there? Let me see if I can walk over here. Yeah, man, I don't even want to take a step because my back could go out. It's hurting. Okay, so... The next time Jesus returns is here on first fruits. He walks around, he resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. He walks around for about 50 days. Then on Pentecost, those who are ready, along with the, the 144,000 Jews, then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is where Jesus is crowned with many crowns of Esther dipped in his own blood and given a white horse. He is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. We only get a wedding garment. 
We only get to watch it. But about four months later, when Jesus gets the white horse, we also are given a white horse. And the armies in heaven in tow, Jesus returns. I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. He sat upon him as faithful and true. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name which no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Then on down it says, And on his vesture and on his thighs a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's when he returns to destroy the evil. Now, this is the Feast of Trumpets right here. In other words, on this day the Jews, all they did was just blow trumpets. Now, why is that important? What did Paul say? Where he says, uh, And they shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, or trumpet, or the seventh trumpet. So there's a very, very good possibility that come September 23 or 24, or maybe even 25, in that kind of a ballpark, that there's a great, great collapse. Okay, now let's talk about that. Now let me just give you a disclaimer. God has not told me there's going to be a collapse September 23, 24, 25, or even this year. He has not told me anything. And I do not have but one specific prophecy, and this was from Vicki Parnell, which has proven to be very, very accurate. My opinion, she's hearing from God. And the, and the devil specifically said that they had their plans set in place for a great cataclysm September 10 or 11 of 2022. As in, yeah. A great sacrifice is supposed to be taking place today. So I don't know if, you know, we make it through today, that, that, that may be good. But then Hal Turner says, either 8, 11, or 23 this month. So there's a lot of, lot of people out there, not, not all just Christian prophets that say they heard from God. One from a computer, one from the feast. Again, there's four different people saying there's about to be a collapse. Okay, so let's, let's assume now that there's a collapse. When I started reading this, all of a sudden I thought, oh man, really? You know, because we hear this stuff, you think, Get away. But one day, it's going to arrive. So I, sitting in my chair, I began to realize, oh, man, okay. All right, so if the stock market collapsed, were to happen, you ready, Stan? <laughs> so I got to thinking, we've heard several people say that when that happens, yeah, the Dow, the Dow is going to fall like two or 3,000 points in a day and a bunch more the next day. And you may be saying, yeah, well, I don't have any investments in the stock market. I don't have any investments in the stock market. I tried one time 20 or 30, and I guess probably 30 or 35 years ago, lost money, and I said, ah, I'm done with that. <laughs> so I don't have anything in the stock market. But if the stock market collapses, guess what else collapses? So it may very well be that the banks will close their doors. Some people have said they'll only close them for two or three days. Some people say it's probably more like two weeks. Well, let's take a worst case scenario. What if they close the banks for 30 days? 
Now, what would that mean? Well, that means that you wouldn't be able to go to to bank and pull out any cash. That means probably your credit cards are not working. What does that mean? It means that if you pull up to a tank, uh, to to a gas station, you want to take a gas, you're probably going to have to walk in there with some cash. And gold and silver is a good thing, but you don't, they might not be taking silver so easily, at least in the first few days, at least not for just two, three days, the banks are closed down, or maybe for a week or two. So I thought to myself, okay, Stan, you don't have any cash. <laughs> One of the things about being broke is you never have any money. But I, I, I guess I need to kind of suck up and go down and pull some cash out of the bank. So I was thinking, all right. At least two weeks worth, probably 30 days worth. 30 days worth for what? For whatever I'm going to have to buy in 30 days. Gas, uh, now I've, I've got wheat. I don't have to have anything from the food store, but I probably want some. So the things that I'm, I want to have cash for, so what I'm saying is, congregation, think it through. Do I know that something's going to happen September the 23rd? No, I don't. God has not told me. Maybe he's told you, he hasn't told me. But with, I've got, now I've got five people, five different reasons that are all pointing to, in general, this month, and specific to September the 23rd. Today's the 11th. So what is on my heart to tell you is to think that through. Think that through. Have you got enough cash? And like Chuck over here said, uh, 20s and 50s, probably, 2050s, and depends on how much money you have, maybe you even have some hundreds, but get some cash and keep it where you can get yourself a pair. What else might happen? Many of the prophecies say that there's going to be riots coming, and that is as the economy collapses, as they stop sending out government checks to people, this is probably more long-term. Two or three months to maybe even a year or so, I don't know. But get prepared for some of those things. Before I go to the next segment, does somebody have a question? Not used to taking questions. No? There's 115 different food processing plants that have all been hit with a fire or an explosion or something like that all over the last year. We talked about that. And so far, I haven't done a a deep research on it, but so far I haven't heard of any arrests, and I think that that is all part of it. Also, DEF, which is diesel exhaust fluid, must be in every 18-wheeler since 2010. If it's not in there, they don't have it in the right container in in the truck, it won't start. And CF Industries is one of the two people in America that make DEF, and they've stopped making it. In addition to that, we have a railroad problem. Come September the 16th, if the railroad has not come up with, yeah, I see some people, 
Some people are informed in here. Some of the people, <laughs> really? If there's not a railroad contract, the railroad is going to go on strike come September 16th. Do you see a problem? So we're coming up on election. We're seeing the diesel, the 18-wheelers are running out of, and here's another thing. That's the reason I'm doing this without a PowerPoint. That way I can just kind of like pull up random information. So when I, about, uh, about a month ago, I, in my prayer closet, I said, Lord, I need to know more information about what's coming. And I know that Pastor Massey hears from you. I'd like for you to give him a dream tonight and have him call me with a dream, tell me what's coming. So sure enough, Leslie walks into the office with her cell phone. She says, Pastor Messine's on the phone and wants to talk to you. He said, I had a dream last night. Hold it. Pull up word. I'm ready to type. Go ahead. Tell me what it is. He said, I had a dream that Joseph came to me last night and gave me a dream. Joseph, the Joseph, as in Joseph in the pyramid? He said, yes, that Joseph. He gave me a dream. And essentially the dream says that there's about to be a food shortage. He said, in the dream, he said, my father told me to go get the wheat, but there was no wheat. I thought it was very interesting he mentioned wheat specifically. He said, then the next thing is, he told me that all 18-wheelers in America would stop. Do you see a problem? So if there's a, oh, 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 UPS is apparently far bigger than the, the post office these days and FedEx put together. Primarily, everything in America is moved by UPS. UPS is also going on a strike here in the next few weeks, but I couldn't remember uh, exactly the date. They're, they're talking strike. Now, what do you think? Do you think that the railroad will have a strike? Do you think UPS will have a strike? So if you put all that together, so the 18-wheelers stop, the railroads stop, UPS stops, and there's 115 food processing plants that have been taken out in the last year. Do you see a problem? Yeah. Think that's an accident? I don't. I think that's an on purpose. I think that there are evil people in high places, just like they told Benjamin Fulford, we have ruled this planet for thousands of years, and we'll destroy it rather than give it up. And right now, they're in the process of trying to make them give it up. There's Evil in people, evil people, here, let me back and explain that. This is the reason I didn't do a PowerPoint, so that I can talk random like this. When Moses came down off the mountain having the Ten Commandments, as you recall the story, he looked down, he saw that they were worshiping a golden calf. The name of that golden calf is called Moloch. And in later chapters in the Bible, it also calls it Baal, B-A-A-L. I thought it was interesting that the queen died in where? I'm sorry, what was the name? Did you hear Baal in that word? More? Moral. M-O-R-A-L is correct. B-A-L-M-O-R-A-L. Baal moral. Baal moral. Is that saying that they follow Baal? But I don't know. I wouldn't feel good going there. Anyway, these people are the same ones that... Moses said, okay, everybody for, 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 excuse me, everyone for, for, that was for God, come over here. 
So he told all of the people to take out their swords, go into the tents, and kill all of the people that had been worshiping Baal. That day, the Bible says 3,000 people were killed. So what's so big and bad about worshiping Moloch and Baal? These are the people that believe that, I think that there was a deal made with the devil a long time ago, probably before Joseph and the pyramid. And I believe that Satan came to him and said, tell you what, I will give you money, form, uh, uh, money, fame, fortune, whatever you want. I'll give you power, let you control the world as long as you give me what I want. And of course they probably said, yeah, sounds good to me. But what do you want? Well, what he wants is pain, torture. He wants to see God's creation that he loves killed, tortured, beaten, molested, child trafficked, uh, and the, the closer to innocent they are, the better. And this, of course, is all of the abortion going on. And now they're talking about, oh, well, you can even kill the baby up uh, even after they're, they're out of the mom. What is that? It's, it's, the, it's the Moloch and Baal worshipers. Unfortunately, these are people, Benjamin Fulford said there's about a million of them, that rule the world. It's about 1% of the world but they control and own 99%. They control all of our news. I remember when DJT was on his first campaign, he got up and he was pointing, he says, all these people corrupt. They're lying, they're talking about the media. And of course, I remember when I first saw that, I thought, really? I had some learning to do too. Our media is all, all, controlled by them. To my knowledge, there is not one national Christian radio or TV program that can tell the truth. I'm, t I'm talking about news. Yeah, we're not a news well. I don't know. We're kind of newsy now. Corrupt. They own the news, all of the news. They control our food. Every one of the like 13 major companies own all of the food. And there's another one where like 13 companies own and control all of the communications. Disney, Moloch and Ball worshipers. CNN, Fox News. By the way, how many of you know what, why do they call it Fox News? Well, I was hoping to see a hand or two go up. What does FOX stand for? I can tell I made it just in time. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Here's Fox News. A is one. B, C, D, E, F. That's a six, right? G, H, I, J, K. No, excuse me, I didn't count it right. Okay, there's ten of them, ten names. There's no, excuse me, there's nine. There's not a zero. There's nine letters. So A, B, C, D, E, F, that's the first F. If you count it out, then the O winds up on another six. Count another six, and it comes to a, an X. I'm talking about if you lay out nine, 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 it goes to six, six, six. 20th century Fox is saying 20th century 666. They tell us 
but we don't see. They explain, but they don't see, but we don't see. So they own the news, they own our education system, our governments, um, <laughs> religion, I mean, Catholic Church, and how many other people in high places within churches that are not Catholic are owned and controlled by them. Because they come to them and say, my understanding is that when a person is elected to be a new president in a nation, someone comes to them and says, here's your account. We just put several million dollars in your account. You can spend it as you want, and we would like for you to join us. If you don't join us, we're going to kill you. So now you've got a carrot and stick. You want to get millions of dollars or be dead. And the, the rumor is that these are the same people that killed JFK. And the rumor is that the military, United States military service, military intelligence, has been following and watching these people cheat in, I have to look at my word, uh, cheat. Yes. They watched them cheat for many years. That's right. But they couldn't do anything about it. Because in America, the political is above the military. But when DJT came in and he signed the Insurrection Act, I believe that's the correct word, that put the military above the political, and all of a sudden, that gave them the opportunity to start cleaning up. Because they, they know who really killed him. And so it's the Moloch and Baal worshipers. That's who's really at the heart of it. And they're the, really at the heart of most of the evil in the world. So they decided that they're going to do away with them. One of the ways they're going to do away with them is removing their finances. Now, I believe this new digital financial system is they think that's their attempt to kick out Moloch and Ball out of their financial system. And it is. But just like Hollywood started off good and went corrupt, we're going to see this digital system. It will turn to the mark of the beast system. It will. You mark my word. Now, come back to what I'm talking about. I think in September, based upon what others have said, we are probably looking at a stock market crash and much, much more. Something so cataclysmic, something so big, it might be even bigger than 9-11 in terms of changing the world. And what the, the prophecy from Vicki Parnell that I just got Friday says that it's going to be a few days, a few weeks, and a few months. In other words, this big financial problem, they're going to make it as uncomfortable as it needs to be until they get what they want. What do they want? They want control of our financial problems again. They want control of everything. They want the presidency. Because, see, America is the world's police officer. And it's been said as America goes, so goes the world. If America gets a, a cold, the rest of the world has pneumonia. We kind of are the center of the world. And the Bible puts that this way. The Bible gives us proof of that when it says, And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all that dwell upon the earth. Meaning, right here is the nation that God is, is expecting to hold a standard, to stand up, and to be able to fight and keep the evil away. But... Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen, has become the habitation of devils, the whole liver of a foul spirit, 
in the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, meaning Hollywood and Disney and all these other things, because we have allowed them to put out filth and not just corrupt America, it has gone around the world. I was in on a plane heading to, where was it, Turkey. And they put on a movie. And it was an American movie, filthy. I was in Israel. Turn on the TV, come on the TV, American movie, filthy. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We export that to the world. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now what does that mean? When it says wine, it's talking about sin. Fornication is saying that they've fallen away from God. Because she made all nations move away from Christ, that's the reason we're destroyed. There's, even Leslie said, she, the Lord told her that the world is normal, is gone. The days of usual, is gone. I can recall about midway through DJT's first term, I said to David Phillips, I said, I believe that we are at the height, the apex of human existence, human civilization right now. I believe these are the days when we're going to look back and say, those were the good old days. This is before masks, before mandates. Do you remember the time when you could walk to the airport, pull out your billfold, and pay for a ticket? and get on the plane right then? Not tell them your name? Those days are gone, aren't they? See, they track and monitor everything. For example, did you, if you have an iPhone, I know this to be true, I found it, discovered it on my, somebody sent me an email and said, you gotta watch this. Your iPhone tracks, like up to 10, I know, probably more, tracks all of your major destinations. Like for example, I'll tell you, every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon, at about 4.30, I arrive at the racquetball place to play racquetball. That's logged in. So if they want to find Stan, they just, I I park probably within that far of the same tire print as I did the last time I was there. I park in the same place, and you do too. Do the same thing, right? If they want to find us with our cell phones, Now, right now, we say, well, I don't have to have a cell phone. But when that cell phone is what you buy and sell with, yes, you do, if you want to buy and sell. Buy or sell. So apparently what is about to happen, we're about to see a major financial crash. Again, if it doesn't happen, praise God. We're praying that it won't. Matter of fact, that's why I'm calling people to come to the solemn September assembly. Saturday, September 24th, right here. It starts at 9.30. We're going to be blowing trumpets at 9.32. Why 9.32? Because that's the time that the sun sets in Israel, and that is the start of the Feast of Trumpets. Why blow a trumpet? Because a trumpet is a declaration of war. It starts the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is the day that the tribulation starts, and it's the day that the tribulation ends. Now, Let's talk about that. Revelation 6.1 tells us what happens when the tribulation starts. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. He called me. 
He said, I think the tribulation is about to start this year. And I said, yeah, 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 I, I know, I understand. I've thought the same thing. But I said, I'll give you a scripture why it probably is not going to start then. Yeah, tell me. I said, remember where it says in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it? And shall desire to die and death shall flee from them? To me, that's a picture of that. The average person on the street has somehow acquired eternal life in this body. Someone sent me a dream that they had a dream that people would actually jump into the ocean and keep swimming down and swimming down and swimming down, swimming down, swimming down, and still couldn't drown, still couldn't kill themselves. I don't understand that, but that's what they said. So that tells me that we're probably not, and by the way, when that scripture takes place is about five months before Jesus returns. So unless they could get seven billion people into med beds or or the shot or an injection or something we don't know of to give them eternal life, no. Revelation 6.1 says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. Now, Kim Peters said he had a dream. He's gone to be with the Lord now. I guess it was probably 45 years ago when he was called to be a prophet. And he said, I lived through the first three and a half years of the tribulation until his head was cut off. He tells you all of that story. He said, but it all started when there was a horn honk. He said, it sounded like a 1970s car horn. It was loud. It was long and every ear on the earth heard it. At that same time, there were some graves. He said, I could like look around the globe through the Spirit. There were some, not all, but some graves that exploded open. He said, I'm talking about, I saw dirt literally fly in the air as if there was an explosive device in the coffin. Then I saw people walking around the, the, that hole in the ground and they all had on the same white glowing garment. He said, it looks kind of like a choir robe, except for it had a real big cloak around it. They all had the same one. And he said, and they shone brighter than the sun. He said, I did not see them float up in the air. He said, they just walked around for a few minutes and then gone. He said, I did not see anybody in flesh and blood go anywhere. No pre-trib rapture. If the tribulation is going to start this year, if it is, and right now I don't think it is, but if it is, it could be, Saturday 24th at about 10.32, we're in here blowing a trumpet, and all of a sudden we're not the only one blowing a trumpet. All of a sudden we're hearing a trumpet like we've never heard. And everybody in the whole world hears that trumpet. He said, after that happened, he said, all the electronics on the whole globe went off for about two weeks. He said, then they slowly started coming on. Now, why would the electronics go off? Well, yes, it's some kind of an energy that affected them. Do you think the energy of millions of people resurrecting out of graves might be something that would cause the electronics to go off? I know what you're thinking. This is the most unusual sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you like it? Well, this is what you get with somebody that does prophecy for their whole life. Okay. 
Now here's the point. What God wanted me to tell you is that yes, this is coming. But yes, he is going to be there. He's going to be there to provide and protect. Don't get fear. You feel it coming on. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We all need to have some of those verses, those protection verses. We need to have them hidden in our heart. We need to be able to say them. He that dwelleth in the secret place, what's the secret place? It's on our knees, not driving in a car, on our knees, once a day, worshiping God. Worship is telling God who he is and that you love him for it. Praise is telling God what he does and that you love him for it. He that dwelleth, that means they don't visit the prayer, prayer closet, but they dwell there. That means they have one. See, when the, uh, the virus came up, I won't say the name, it didn't bother me because I have a prayer closet. Now, I'm not saying I'm something special, but I worship somebody that's special. I serve, here's another thing, an attitude adjustment. I used to think, like most people think, boy, it'd be nice to live a long time. It's not my attitude. My attitude is I want to win as many souls as I can, serve the Lord as best as I can, and my heart will beat until the time he's done with me. And then what time he's done with me, I don't fear death. I, I, because I don't fear death because I fear him. I serve him. He's my God. So I'm not worried. I, I'm not worried about what's going to come. I'm worried about how in the world we're going to be able to tell all these people about Jesus. Because when the trouble hits, the churches will finally start filling up. People will finally start saying, okay, we need to go to church. We're, obviously we're doing something wrong here. And then the more God hits us, the more people will get saved. I told this the other day. Vicki Parnell had a dream. And she said, I saw, she, Jesus appeared to her, and she was looking down on, on America. He said, what do you see? He, she says, I see explosions hitting all over America. Giant explosions. I see fire. I see people screaming. I see total destruction. What else do you see? Look again. What else do you see? He said, she said, then I see total blackness. All the electricity is off. The whole nation is totally black. He said, keep watching. Now what do you see? She said, and then I saw a little light. Amen. And then there was another little light, and another little light, another little light, another little light. For long, there was a lot of lights. And he said, what you're seeing is my great love for this nation. What? See, because those people represented, those lights represented people that were getting saved. How many of us right here in the room received Jesus at a particular low point, either mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, or financially, or something? Yeah, okay. Trouble is the way God gets our attention. Now, the point I'm trying to say is there's a high probability that these things we've talked about for a long time are about to hit on about or around the 24th of this month. 
And when they do, we're going to be prepared. We have a little cash, we've got a little water filter, we've got a little water saved up, we've got some extra food. Some of us have a lot of food. Some of us have lots and lots and warehouses of food. <laughs> I think he said he has 58 pro boxes now. Oh, 88. Okay, so let me explain what, what we've, what Joseph Kitchen has stored up for people. A pro box is about four foot by four foot by six foot. It holds 2,500 pounds, that's about the weight of a car, 2,500 pounds of wheat. They've got 88 of them stored up in the warehouse. Has God taken care of us? Yes. If you don't have a Berkey water filter, most places are out of them. Guess what? Prophecy Club has them. And I'm not trying to make a buck. I'm not trying to sell you. I'm trying to tell you, even Leslie prophesied that there's going to be poison put in the water. We're about to go into some really challenging times, but here's the point. We're ready. We've been talking about this for a long time. And for someone to listen to me and hasn't heard this stuff, wow, okay, we haven't been around here very long. This is not bad news. It's not something to get scared about. Yes, we want to, to move and get prepared as best we can. The Lord told Leslie, tell people that they should prepare. No one can prepare for every eventuality. But to the degree that we can prepare, get prepared. In other words, don't just do nothing and say, oh, well, God will protect me. That's what the pre-treavers do. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to get prepared and that when the trouble does arrive, be it September 23 or 4 or 5, whatever it is, or another time, when the trouble arrives, that we won't let that fear in. That instead we would move to get ready to be a soul winner. You would lay in our heart, if there's scriptures that we need to learn or memorize, lay on our heart the things that we need to do, and sometimes we don't hear so good. Sometimes we ignore but Lord, keep talking to us. Keep telling us over and over and over. Help us to be ready. Help us to be prepared. And help us to be able to point people to the cross and not just a few. Many people, a time of great salvation is about to come to America. Help us to be prepared to point them to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.